Chapter Ten of Salambo by Gustave Flaubert. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Chapter Ten: The Serpent. These clamourings of the populace did not alarm Hamilcar's daughter. She was disturbed by loftier anxieties. Her great serpent, the black python, was drooping and in the eyes of the carthaginians the serpent was at once a national and a private fetish it was believed to be the offspring of the dust of the earth since it emerges from its depth and has no need of feet to traverse it its mode of progression called to mind the undulations of rivers its temperature the ancient vicious and fecund darkness and the orbit which it describes when biting its tail the harmony of the planets and the intelligence of eskmoun salambo's serpent had several times already refused the four live sparrows which were offered to it at the full moon and at every new moon its handsome skin covered like the firmament with golden spots upon a perfectly black ground was now yellow relaxed wrinkled and too large for its body a cottony mouldiness extended around its head and in the corners of its eyelids might be seen little red specks which appeared to move salambo would approach its silver wire basket from time to time and would draw aside the purple curtains the lotus leaves and the birds down but it was continually rolled up upon itself more motionless than a withered bindweed and from looking at it she at last came to feel a kind of spiral within her heart another serpent as it were mounting up to her throat by degrees and strangling her she was in despair of having seen the zaimph and yet she felt a sort of joy an intimate pride at having done so a mystery shrank within the splendour of its folds it was the cloud that enveloped the gods and the secret of the universal existence and salambo horror-stricken at herself regretted that she had not raised it she was always crouching at the back of her apartment holding her bended left leg in her hands her mouth half open her chin sunk her eyes fixed she recollected her father's face with terror she wished to go away into the mountains of phoenicia on a pilgrimage to the temple of afaka where tanith descended in the form of a star all kinds of imaginings attracted her and terrified her moreover a solitude which every day became greater encompassed her she did not even know what hamilcar was about wearied at last with her thoughts she would rise and trailing along her little sandals whose soles clacked upon her heels at every step she would walk at random through the large silent room the amethysts and topazes of the ceiling made luminous spots quiver here and there 
and salambo as she walked would turn her head a little to see them she would go and take the hanging amphoras by the neck she would cool her bosom beneath the broad fans or perhaps amuse herself by burning cinnamomum in hollow pearls at sunset Tanach would draw back the black felt lozenges that closed the openings in the wall then her doves rubbed with musk like the doves of tanith suddenly entered and their pink feet glided over the glass pavement amid the grains of barley which she threw to them in handfuls like a sour in a field but on a sudden she would burst into sobs and lie stretched on the large bit of ox-leather straps without moving repeating a word that was ever the same with open eyes pale as one dead insensible cold and yet she could hear the cries of the apes in the tufts of the palm-trees with the continuous grinding of the great wheel which brought a flow of pure water through the stories into the porphyry centre basin sometimes for several days she would refuse to eat she could see in a dream troubled stars wandering beneath her feet she would call shahabarim and when he came she had nothing to say to him she could not live without the relief of his presence but she rebelled inwardly against this domination her feeling towards the priest was one at once of terror jealousy hatred and a species of love in gratitude for the singular voluptuousness which she experienced by his side he had recognized the influence of rabbit being skilful to discern the gods who sent diseases and to cure salambo he had her apartment watered with lotions of vervain and maidenhair she ate mandrakes every morning she slept with her head on a cushion filled with aromatics blended by the pontiffs he had even employed baras a fiery-coloured root which drives back fatal geniuses into the north lastly turning towards the polar star he murmured thrice the mysterious name of tanith but salambo still suffered and her anguish deepened no one in carthage was so learned as he in his youth he had studied at the college of the mogbeds at borsippa near babylon had then visited samothras pessinus ephesus thessaly judea and the temples of the nabathae which are lost in the sands and had travelled on foot along the banks of the nile from the cataracts to the sea shaking torches with veil-covered face he had cast a black cock upon a fire of sandarach before the breast of the sphinx the father of terra he had descended into the caverns of proserpine had seen the five hundred pillars of the labyrinth of lemnos revolve and the candelabrum of tarentum which bore as many sconces on its shaft as there are days in the year shine in its splendour 
at times he received greeks by night in order to question them the constitution of the world disquieted him no less than the nature of the gods he had observed the equinoxes with the armils placed in the portico of alexandria and accompanied the bimatists of evagites who measure the sky by calculating the number of their steps as far as serene so that there was now growing in his thoughts a religion of his own with no distinct formula and on that very account full of infatuation and fervour he no longer believed that the earth was formed like a fir cone he believed it to be round and eternally falling through immensity with such prodigious speed that its fall was not perceived from the position of the sun above the moon he inferred the predominance of baal of whom the planet itself is but the reflection and figure moreover all that he saw in terrestrial things compelled him to recognize the male exterminating principle as supreme and then he secretly charged rabbit with the misfortune of his life was it not for her that the grand pontiff had once advanced amid the tumult of cymbals and with a patera of boiling water taken from him his future virility and he followed with a melancholy gaze the men who were disappearing with the priestesses in the depth of the turpentine trees his days were spent in inspecting the censers the gold vases the tongs the rakes for the ashes of the altar and all the ropes of the statues down to the bronze bodkin that served to curl the hair of an old tanith in the third edicule near the emerald vine at the same hours he would raise the great hangings of the same swinging doors would remain with his arms outspread in the same attitude or prayed prostrate on the same flagstones while around him a people of priests moved barefooted through the passages filled with an eternal twilight but salambo was in the barrenness of his life like a flower in the cleft of a sepulchre nevertheless he was hard upon her and spared her neither penances nor bitter words his condition established as it were the equality of a common sex between them and he was less angry with the girl for his inability to possess her than for finding her so beautiful and above all so pure often he saw that she grew weary of following his thought then he would turn away sadder than before he would feel himself more forsaken more empty more alone strange words escaped him sometimes which passed before salambo like broad lightnings illuminating the abysses this would be at night on the terrace when both alone they gazed upon the stars and carthage spread below under their feet with the gulf and the open sea dimly lost in the colour of the darkness he would set forth to her the theory of the souls that descended upon the earth following the same route as the sun through the signs of the zodiac 
with outstretched arm he showed the gate of human generation in the ram and that of the return to the gods in capricorn and salambo strove to see them for she took these conceptions for realities she accepted pure symbols and even manners of speech as being true in themselves a distinction not always very clear even to the priest the souls of the dead said he resolve themselves into the moon as their bodies do into the earth their tears compose its humidity tis a dark abode full of mire and wreck and tempest she asked what would become of her then at first you will languish as light as vapour hovering upon the waves and after more lengthened ordeals and agonies you will pass into the forces of the sun the very source of intelligence he did not speak however of rabbit salambo imagined that it was through some shame for his vanquished goddess and calling her by a common name which designated the moon she launched into blessings upon the soft and fertile planet at last he exclaimed no no she draws all her fecundity from the other do you not see her hovering about him like an amorous woman running after a man in a field and he exalted the virtue of light unceasingly far from depressing her mystic desires he sought on the contrary to excite them and he even seemed to take joy in grieving her by the revelation of a pitiless doctrine in spite of the pains of her love salambo threw herself upon it with transport but the more that shahabarim felt himself in doubt about tanith the more he wished to believe in her at the bottom of his soul he was arrested by remorse he needed some proof some manifestation from the gods and in the hope of obtaining it the priest devised an enterprise which might save at once his country and his belief thenceforward he set himself to deplore before salambo the sacrilege and the misfortunes which resulted from it even in the regions of the sky then he suddenly announced the peril of the suffet who was assailed by three armies under the command of matho for on account of the veil matho was in the eyes of the carthaginians the king as it were of the barbarians and he added that the safety of the republic and of her father depended upon her alone upon me she exclaimed how can i but the priest with a smile of disdain said you will never consent she entreated him at last shahabarim said to her you must go to the barbarians and recover the zaimph she sank down upon the ebony stool and remained with her arms stretched out between her knees and shivering in all her limbs like a victim at the altar's foot awaiting the blow of the club her temples were ringing she could see fiery circles revolving and in her stupor she had lost the understanding of all things save one that she was certainly going to die soon
but if rabetna triumphed if the zaimph were restored and carthage delivered what mattered a woman's life thought shahabarim moreover she would perhaps obtain the veil and not perish he stayed away for three days on the evening of the fourth she sent for him the better to inflame her heart he reported to her all the invectives howled against hamilcar in open council he told her that she had erred that she owed reparation for her crime and that rabetna commanded the sacrifice a great uproar came frequently across the mappalian district to megara shahabarim and salambo went out quickly and gazed from the top of the galley staircase there were people in the square of Kamon shouting for arms the ancients would not provide them esteeming such an effort useless others who had set out without a general had been massacred at last they were permitted to depart and as a sort of homage to moloch or from a vague need of destruction they tore up tall cypress trees in the woods of the temples and having kindled them at the torches of the kabiri were carrying them through the streets singing these monstrous flames advanced swaying gently they transmitted fires to the glass balls on the crests of the temples to the ornaments of the colossuses and the beaks of the ships passed beyond the terraces and formed suns as it were which rolled through the town they descended the acropolis the gate of malqua opened are you ready exclaimed shahabarim or have you asked them to tell your father that you abandoned him she hid her face in her veils and the great lights retired sinking gradually the while to the edge of the waves an indeterminate dread restrained her she was afraid of moloch and of mato this man with his giant stature who was master of the zaimph ruled rabetna as much as did baal and seemed to her to be surrounded by the same fulgurations and then the souls of the gods sometimes visited the bodies of men did not shahabarim speaking of him say that she was to vanquish moloch they were mingled with each other she confused them together both of them were pursuing her she wished to learn the future and approached the serpent for auguries were drawn from the attitudes of serpents but the basket was empty salambo was disturbed she found him with his tail rolled around one of the silver balustrades beside the hanging bed which he was rubbing in order to free himself from his old yellowish skin while his body stretched forth gleaming and clear like a sword half out of the sheath then on the days following in proportion as she allowed herself to be convinced and was more disposed to succour tanith the python recovered and grew he seemed to be reviving the certainty that salambo was giving expression to the will of the gods then became established in her conscience 
one morning she awoke resolved and asked what was necessary to make matto restore the veil to claim it said Shabarim. but if he refuses she rejoined the priest scanned her fixedly with a smile such as she had never seen yes what is to be done repeated salambo he rolled between his fingers the extremities of the bands which fell from his tiara upon his shoulders standing motionless with eyes cast down at last seeing that she did not understand you will be alone with him well she said alone in his tent what then shaberim bit his lips he sought for some phrase some circumlocution if you are to die that will be later he said later fear nothing and whatever he may undertake to do do not call out do not be frightened you will be humble you understand and submissive to his desire which is ordained of heaven but the veil the gods will take thought for it replied shahabarim suppose you were to accompany me o oh father she added no he made her kneel down and keeping his left hand raised and his right extended he swore in her behalf to bring back the mantle of tanith into carthage with terrible imprecations she devoted herself to the gods and each time that shahabarim pronounced a word she falteringly repeated it he indicated to her all the purifications and fastenings that she was to observe and how she was to reach matto moreover a man acquainted with the roads would accompany her she felt as if she had been set free she thought only of the happiness of seeing the zaimph again and she now blessed shahabarim for his exhortations it was the period at which the doves of carthage migrated to sicily to the mountain of eryx and the temple of venus for several days before their departure they sought out and called to one another so as to collect together at last one evening they flew away the wind blew them along and the big white cloud glided across the sky high above the sea the horizon was filled with the colour of blood they seemed to descend gradually to the waxes then they disappeared as though swallowed up and falling of themselves into the jaws of the sun salambo who watched them retiring bent her head and then tanach believing that she guessed her sorrow said gently to her but they will come back mistress yes i know and you will see them again perhaps she said sighing she had not confided her resolve to any one in order to carry it out with the greater discretion she sent tanach to the suburb of kinisto to buy all the things that she required instead of requesting them from the stewards vermilion aromatics a linen girdle and new garments the old slave was amazed at these preparations without daring however to ask any questions 
and the day which had been fixed by shahabarim arrived when salambo was to set out about the twelfth hour she perceived in the depth of the sycamore trees a blind old man with one hand resting on the shoulder of a child who walked before him while with the other he carried a kind of sathara of black wood against his hip the eunuchs slaves and women had been scrupulously sent away no one might know the mystery that was preparing tanach kindled four tripods filled with strobus and kadamomum in the corners of the apartment then she unfolded large babylonian hangings and stretched them on cords all around the room for salambo did not wish to be seen even by the walls the kinna-player squatted behind the door and the young boy standing upright applied a red flute to his lips in the distance the roar of the streets was growing feebler violet shadows were lengthening before the peristyles of the temples and on the other side of the gulf the mountain bases the fields of olive-trees and the vague yellow lands undulated indefinitely and were blended together in a bluish haze not a sound was to be heard and an unspeakable depression weighed in the air salambo crouched down upon the onyx step on the edge of the basin she raised her ample sleeves fastening them behind her shoulders and began her ablutions in methodical fashion according to the sacred rites next tanach brought her something liquid and coagulated in an alabaster phial it was the blood of a black dog slaughtered by barren women on a winter's night amid the rubbish of a sepulchre she rubbed it upon her ears her heels and the thumb of her right hand and even her nail remained somewhat red as if she had crushed a fruit the moon rose then the sithara and the flute began to play together salambo unfastened her earrings her necklace her bracelets and her long white simar she unknotted the band in her hair shaking the letter for a few minutes softly over her shoulders to cool herself by thus scattering it the music went on outside it consisted of three notes ever the same hurried and frenzied the strings grated the flute blew tanach kept time by striking her hands salambo with a swaying of her whole body chanted prayers and her garments fell one after another around her the heavy tapestry trembled and the python's head appeared above the cord that supported it the serpent descended slowly like a drop of water flowing along a wall crawled among the scattered stuffs and then gluing its tail to the ground rose perfectly erect and his eyes more brilliant than carbuncles darted upon salambo a horror of cold or perhaps a feeling of shame at first made her hesitate but she recalled shahabarim's orders and advanced 
the python turned downwards and resting the centre of its body upon the nape of her neck allowed its head and tail to hang like a broken necklace with both ends trailing to the ground salammbo rolled it around her sides under her arms and between her knees then taking it by the jaw she brought the little triangular mouth to the edge of her teeth and half shutting her eyes threw herself back beneath the rays of the moon the white light seemed to envelop her in a silver mist the prints of her humid steps shone upon the flagstones stars quivered in the depth of the water it tightened upon her its black rings that were spotted with scales of gold salammbo panted beneath the excessive weight her loins yielded she felt herself dying and with the tip of its tail the serpent gently beat her thigh then the music becoming still it fell off again tanach came back to her and after arranging two candelabra the lights of which burned in crystal balls filled with water she tinged the inside of her hands with lausonia spread vermilion upon her cheeks and antimony along the edge of her eyelids and lengthened her eyebrows with a mixture of gum musk ebony and crushed legs of flies salammbo seated on a chair with ivory uprights gave herself up to the attentions of the slave but the touchings the odour of the aromatics and the fasts that she had undergone were enervating her she became so pale that tanach stopped go on cried salammbo and bearing up against herself she suddenly revived then she was seized with impatience she urged tanach to make haste and the old slave grumbled well well mistress besides you have no one waiting for you yes said salammbo some one is waiting for me tanach drew back in surprise and in order to learn more about it said what orders do you give me mistress for if you are to remain away but salammbo was sobbing the slave exclaimed you are suffering what is the matter do not go away take me when you were quite little and used to cry i took you to my heart and made you laugh with the points of my breasts you have drained them mistress she struck herself upon her dried-up bosom now i am old i can do nothing for you you no longer love me you hide your griefs from me you despise the nurse and tears of tenderness and vexation flowed down her cheeks in the gashes of her tattooing no said salammbo no i love you be comforted with a smile like the grimace of an old ape tanach resumed her task in accordance with shahabarim's recommendations salammbo had ordered the slave to make her magnificent and she was obeying her mistress with barbaric taste full at once of refinement and ingenuity over a first delicate and vinous-coloured tunic she passed a second embroidered with birds feathers 
golden scales clung to her hips and from this broad girdle descended her blue flowing silver-starred trousers next tarnach put upon her a long robe made of the cloth of the country of ceres white and streaked with green lines on the edge of her shoulder she fastened a square of purple weighed at the hem with grains of sandastrum and above all these garments she placed a black mantle with a flowing train then she gazed at her and proud of her work could not help saying you will not be more beautiful on the day of your bridal my bridal repeated salambo she was musing with her elbow resting upon the ivory chair but tarnach set up before her a copper mirror which was so broad and high that she could see herself completely in it then she rose and with a light touch of her finger raised a lock of her hair which was falling too low her hair was covered with gold dust was crisped in front and hung down behind over her back in long twists ending in pearls the brightness of the candelabra heightened the paint on her cheeks the gold on her garments and the whiteness of her skin around her waist and on her arms hands and toes she had such a wealth of gems that the mirror sent back rays upon her like a sun and salambo standing by the side of tarnach who leaned over to see her smiled amid this dazzling display then she walked to and fro embarrassed by the time that was still left suddenly the crow of a cock resounded she quickly pinned a long yellow veil upon her hair passed a scarf around her neck thrust her feet into blue leather boots and said to tarnach go and see whether there is not a man with two horses beneath the myrtles tarnach had scarcely re-entered when she was descending the galley staircase mistress cried the nurse salambo turned around with one finger on her mouth as a sign for discretion and immobility tarnach stole softly along the prows to the foot of the terrace and from a distance she could distinguish by the light of the moon a gigantic shadow walking obliquely in the cypress avenue to the left of salambo a sign which presaged death tarnach went up again into the chamber she threw herself upon the ground tearing her face with her nails she plucked out her hair and uttered piercing shrieks with all her might it occurred to her that they might be heard then she became silent sobbing quite softly with her head in the hands and her face on the pavement End of chapter ten